This is episode 11 of the Rise Up Podcast. We're a morning radio show hosted by Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life, a network of stations across New York and Pennsylvania. Our podcast is a weekly conversation that will help you think and grow in your faith. If you haven't already, subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode and find out more about our show at familylife.org. God is like the sun, always there and always shining, even when you can't see him. This is Rise Up on Family Life. On our last episode, we talked about the triumphal entry of Jesus. The people praised him. He was going to be the one to save them. He would, but not in the way that they expected. Welcome to part two of our Easter series, this episode on the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, the word crucifixion, you know, growing up, I did not grow up in the church and, you know, I'd heard the word and Jesus on the cross and it really didn't mean, it didn't make any sense to me. It didn't, I didn't understand why, I didn't all, all that. So now fast forward to, I understand why he went to the cross, mm. but it still almost seems unfathomable, unreal, certainly mm. not the way we would uh, choose to to save the world because it all it all just seems so unfair when when yeah. you look at it. And, and I felt that way when I first learned about it before I was even a Christian. And now, as a believer for many years, it's like, wow, what an unfair thing mm-hmm. to happen. It is. It makes me think the unfairness of it, of Jesus' words on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's what theologians call the cry of dereliction, which really is just this difficult thing to get our heads around, that there's a moment where Jesus is experiencing abandonment, forsakenness. That's one of those things where it's almost too bad to be true is how I feel about it. But at the same time, I know, no, the whole bad news of what Good Friday is, ultimately, that's why it's going to become good news for us. Right. You mentioned that moment, Tim, and I feel like it's preceded by so many moments that were remarkable for the opposite reason. And let me explain. Hmm. As Jesus is in the garden and he's betrayed, he's not surprised. In fact, at the Last Supper, he had told his his disciples, this is what's going to happen. Somebody in this room is going to betray me. As he's being questioned by Pontius Pilate, he's not surprised. When Barabbas is freed and he is not, he is not surprised. He is deity in those moments. In that moment on the cross where he says, why have you forsaken me? I feel like we see the humanity of Jesus because he was fully God, but also fully man. And there's something about that moment where any one of us in our human flesh would say, God, why have you forsaken me? While in his mind as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, he had to have known that God didn't forsake him. And so it's interesting that we get this glimpse in scripture of Jesus fully man in that moment before he before he gives up his earthly body. The glimpse of humanness, and I think, and I even hate to go here to even try to even compare, because there's no comparison to what Jesus went through and the pain. So mm. that it's it's a silly comparison. But I, I try to simplify things in my own life, like what does that mean for me? And I try to put myself, again, you can't compare it, but let's say you're in a situation I'm just saying at work, when someone next to you, and and you've been totally on the level, you've done things the right way, you've done things perfectly, you've done things the way, and now all of a sudden, 
someone who has cheated, lied, done everything, and you're treated the same way as that liar, cheater, stealer. Yeah. And what would our reaction be? It's not right. There. right. Right. And we would scream and complain and, and, and kick all the way, you know, to the boss. However, what I remember the very first time that again, I didn't become a Christian until I was in my thirties, that that I looked at that situation and I said, wait a minute, in that situation, he's he was perfect. He's right next to he's he's being treated the same way next to a prisoner or a thief, uh, and he has compassion for the person next to him. And I thought, wow, that's that's who we're supposed to be. Mm. It's not easy, uh, but that's who we're supposed to be. And what an example in the worst of circumstances. We can't think of anything worse that would ever happen to us. And I hope nothing, you know, even mm-hmm. comes close to that. But in the worst of circumstances, the pain we can't even imagine, that was Jesus' attitude of compassion for the prisoner. And that just that has blown me away since day one. It still does today. Let's talk about Pontius Pilate for a second. He is this governor of a Roman province, and all of these Jews are coming in for Passover. I mean, it was a a big celebration, a big gathering, and he's planned a crucifixion. I mean, it's already set up like Mm. somebody is going to be crucified. And some theologians have, have kind of prospected that that was his way of crowd control, it was like, we're going to crucify someone so that all of these Jews can see that they better not misbehave because there will not be disorder in my province. And so he has these these two prisoners. He's got Jesus and he's got Barabbas. And he knows who's innocent and who isn't. He questions Jesus. He tells the people, he's innocent. Who do you want me to to free? And the people cry Barabbas. And it's so interesting because that's each one of us. You know, when you look at this criminal who is obviously guilty and who do we want freed? Me. <laughs> I, I, want, right. I want me freed. You know, mm-hmm. how often even as a small child, when you do something wrong, do you go, I didn't do it. You know, I don't deserve this punishment. And so there is some of that in our carnal flesh. And then who's the one who makes a way for us to be freed? It's only Jesus. And and you have Pilate kind of going, all right, my hands are washed of this. This is not on me. This is all on you guys. But wow, to be at that pivotal moment in history. And it is it is noteworthy that a historical figure is part of this account because it makes it not just a religious event, not just a faith event. It makes this crucifixion a historical event. Yes. Which takes it beyond Christianity. I mean, this is a worldwide historical event because we have this name of this person who was in history, who was so pivotal in the crucifixion of Jesus. And it was kind of this mocking, are you the king of Jews? And as that is put above him on the cross, it's not done in a loving, reverent way. It's done in a king of Jews kind mm. of way. But boy, they they just didn't know. Right. Truer Mm. words have never been spoken. Yes. And that he had to go through that. It had to be the worst possible thing. It had to be utter humility, utter shame, utter undeserved punishment, because that's what it means that he is our sacrificial lamb. That's what it means when John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Jesus was that sacrificial lamb on that Passover weekend. And it's what the book of First John calls propitiation, which is just a fancy word for it's God's wrath poured out on someone else so that it doesn't fall on us. It had to fall on the spotless, perfect son of God so that every one of us who are the furthest thing from spotless and perfect could be counted righteous in God's eyes. It's it's pretty much just unimaginable. It's why we're still talking about it, praising God about it, mystifying ourselves over it 2,000 years later. He was on the cross, but he didn't stay there. And our next episode, The Burial and the Resurrection of Jesus. Well, hello and good morning. Thanks for starting out your day with Steve, Therese, and Tim. This is Rise Up on Family Life. You know you should get more sleep, right? You, mm-hmm. you know you should work out more, right? Yep. You, you know you shouldn't eat that, right? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Something about that kind of talk, it just doesn't motivate me to want to do any of those things. I, I just, I'm feeling kind of guilty. You know you should spend more time with God, right? I know, and I feel guilty that I don't pray more, but guilt's not motivating me to want to do that thing I know is best for me. What if I imagine God saying, hey, I I actually really like you. Like, I enjoy the time we get to spend together. Do you think we could spend some time together more, just just us, you and me, like every day? Wait, wait, you, God, want to spend time with me? Well, sure. How can I make it happen? Yeah, somehow it's just a little easier to make time for prayer when we realize God really likes you. Come on, you don't need any more beauty sleep. You look great. Thanks for listening to Rise Up on Family Life. You're really pushing the envelope. Any ideas where that phrase comes from? Well, I wish I knew. I didn't. Uh, I love phrases like this. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But I don't. I really don't. No. Well, I thought for a long time maybe it had something to do with like stationery yeah. or okay. postal service, right. something like yeah, that, right? That makes sense. Yeah. Not even close. Wow. It's an aeronautic term. That means airplanes. Huh. And oh. the envelope is the operating thresholds. Of an airplane. So Hmm. basically, if the plane is being forced to go really fast or really high Mm -hmm. or really low, you are pushing the envelope. You're kind of like pushing the limits. Would have just made it easier if we just said pushing the limits, right? Right. (laughs) We have to bring envelopes (laughs) into this whole thing. So if the plane is is just sitting there, Uh it's stationary. Yes! It's okay. You can go back to bed in about 16 hours. In the meantime, thanks for listening to Rise Up on Family Life. Big would the world's largest hotel be? Wow, that would be big. It's made out of uh, masonry, bricks, bamboo canes, wood chips, forest bark, wildflower seeds, clay pipes, and strawberry netting. Wow. I forgot one word. I'm sorry. World's largest insect hotel. Ah. Uh, Yes, it's an insect hotel over 7,000 cubic feet. Only one problem. Bed bugs. They check in, they never check out. (laughs) Here we go. It's another new day. You're listening to Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life.